0: Hello, hello! Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey, and I am here today with local filmmaker Lakota Ruby Eck. And Lakota, what do you do exactly?
1: Uh, I do a handful of different things. Uh, I my main thing for sure is being a cinematographer. Uh, I okay. love shooting movies and all sorts of things like that. I love helping people bring their visions to life. But I also do grip, gaff, camera assistant, camera operating. So I, I'm really very. Uh, Experienced in all sorts of things on set. So Obviously a big fan of movies like it's it's any way that I can work on a movie really is, is awesome I assistant directed something recently for the first time. So that was when you're cool. gone, right? Yeah when you're gone uh, Kristen's short film
0: um, Yeah, Kristen Noriega and- who uh, appeared on this podcast to discuss single location horror films and great guest and really knowledgeable
1: Yeah, really knowledgeable it was she. She she reached out to me to do it uh, for her because I was also like like she felt a, a kinship with me in the fact that I'm also super knowledgeable on on horror stuff in general. So we just it, it was like it was a pairing that worked out really really well. It was it was honestly some of the most fun I've had on a set in a really long time.
0: A lot of the folks I've been talking to have said that and i'm really looking forward to seeing it whenever it 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 comes around
1: it's like jim jim powers that man uh he is one of like by far the best local dp not to not to sell myself short (laughs) or anything but that man can can make images sing like no other locally
0: yeah that's awesome so what are we talking about today you kind of came up with this idea so what's going to be our discussion point
1: our big discussion point is going to be uh a very niche part of horror movies. It's uh folklore. Um, it's not a thing that you run into very often, but it is surprisingly in small ways coming back uh, in recent years with a, with a lot of recent releases over the past like 5ish or so years. Even even now there's a movie in theaters right now called The Cursed. It's not huge. It's, it's like a weird low-key oh, yeah, werewolf yeah, yeah.
0: movie. I saw I saw a trailer for that.
1: Yeah. Um not the best thing ever, but you know, like it's it's still cool to see uh, a type of movie that y- when you watch them you're just like there's no way that this type of thing would get made today but somehow they still are people that people are it's not like making tons of money but more people are going to see it than you would expect such a weird niche subgenre of the horror world to bring in
0: yeah so we're going to get into this discussion in just a minute but we always have a beer we try and theme it to the episode and so this week, we're going to be drinking Softly Spoken Magic Spells by Single Cut Beersmiths. Very good choice. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of witches in some of these movies, oh, one, <laughs> you know, very prominently featured. So I figured that would be a good beer to pair with this discussion. And uh, we're going to get into it. So where I want to start with this discussion is, you know, before we get into some of the movies that are kind of prime examples of this niche subgenre, as you put it, I want to talk a little bit about what are kind of the hallmarks and what differentiates this particular genre from other things like, you know, Religious horror or monster movies or whatever. And I I think they have features of them, but there's something very unique about this genre.
1: Yeah. I I find that there's like, there's very specifically a few things. And even if you like look it up, some of the things that I feel. Are kind of hallmarks of folklore. You don't even necessarily like run across in in articles and discussions about it. But uh, a huge part of it is less, even though there's almost always it's really rare that you there isn't. There's almost always a supernatural element to them. It's not the supernatural thing that is the real threat. It's it's the people either utilizing the supernatural element that's sort of its own thing for their own uh, means and taking it too far or, or misunderstanding it. Um, There's also, it's a lot of times it revolves around groups of people. It's not just like one singular person involved in whatever the, the religion or the magic or, or threat that uh, is, is it's always larger than, than just a really small thing. Like it's this very wide spanning thing. It'll be towns, cults, Stuff like that. And a lot of cults. A lot of cults. It's it's it is almost based, almost always based around not only religion, but whatever the the religion that the movie is
0: about. It's it's kind of the bastardization of religion yeah, and taken yeah. to it's, it's and, fundamentalism and, and extremism.
1: Exactly, and there's there's always there's always the Christianity always finds its way into it, but it's never. It's always kind of a character who is very religious, or or someone who struggles with Christianity, like being faced with this new sort of strange religion and having to to process it through their own lens of their religion and stuff. And it's it's really cool, like the dichotomy of seeing those two things come together. And also, uh, it's not always, uh, but lots of period movies. It's it's yep. very often a period piece, very isolated areas. And stuff, but I think that there are more modern takes of it and stuff. And and I love how people have like taken the idea of the sort of cut off community and modernized it for other things and stuff. And the last thing that I think is a really big tenant to all of them is fire. There's always somehow fire involved, and it's almost always a thematic through line that you don't even necessarily know until the end whether it's like death or rebirth, rebirth or, or destruction yeah. yeah 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 like there there's always some some somehow fire plays into it
0: and i think often there's an outsider who's yes. kind of the avatar for the audience yeah. coming into it and then you're experiencing what they're experiencing yeah and that kind of sets up the tone and the unease because I never find these movies particularly like terrifying in the same way that like the conjuring is or paranormal activity. Like I'm legit terrified during those movies, but this is just like, has you crawling out of your skin and it's just like uncomfortable.
1: It's, it's so it's there. There's always like, uh, because most of the time it's just people and you see like this stranger coming into this town, not only like, like definitely, as you said, like the avatar where it's just everything is, even though everyone is human, how they live and how they interact with each other is so alien from anything that you would normally experience. And I think
0: that really like heightens the feel of the genre. For sure. For sure. And You know, one of the we talked a lot about the things that are involved, but from like a movie making standpoint, what do you think the hallmarks of the best horror films are? Because one thing that always stuck out to me when I was watching some of these is the production design is very, very good and has to be because it's got to bring you into this unique world that you're not used to. So it has to be like very kind of on point and specific. Uh,
1: I think I think with every horror movie no matter the genre mm-hmm. the absolute biggest thing and it's it's more from just production design it's production design it's sound design it's literally everything coming together is is the atmosphere of the thing. The like vibe, if yeah. you if you if there isn't like on some level an almost suffocating atmosphere to it it's not scary. Like like it really uh, takes uh, someone to creatively come up with a world and a vibe that gels together in a way that makes you feel fear. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, I personally really love, um, I know a lot of people don't like style over substance movies, but I do feel like that folk horror is the perfect mesh of style and substance like I do still and I personally really enjoy style over substance movies but folklore just has such an interesting way of still weaving so many themes together in different ways with an actual style that just it, it works so well together
0: yeah agreed and I think the other thing that I often kind of stood out to me or recognized was the score. Yeah. And how they use music, often these like strings that are just like plucked and very creepy just, and off, offsetting. Yeah,
1: light, light little accents to whatever's going on. Yeah. Um, uh, funnily enough, we'll definitely talk about it later, but the, s- the soundtrack for Blood on Satan's Claws is. It's unreal. It's really, it's so <laughs> weird. Like, it's definitely like one of the standout parts of that movie.
0: For sure, for sure. So let's get into some of these movies. And. You know, the way we're going to structure this is not necessarily a ranking the way we do. Maybe we'll rank them when we get to the end. Yeah. But I want to go through it chronologically to kind of see how the genre has evolved over time. And so the first one that we're going to talk about is one of your choices, a movie that I had not seen before. Mm-hmm. This was my first time. Um, the Blood on Satan's Claw from 1971, directed by Pierce Haggard. So, so I I
1: yeah, somehow talk to us didn't, about it. I somehow didn't realize his uh, I didn't know who directed it until watching it again this time and I was like that is such a weird <laughs> perfect name for someone who's directing a horror movie in the seventies like it almost it's so perfect it sounds made up but yeah agreed it's funnily enough I listened to a couple of the episodes of of this podcast in preparation for it so I knew knew uh, what was going to happen and Kyle talking about watching Slither and like coming back to it and being like oh this movie isn't as good as I remember it being. I loved it the first time I saw it, and coming back to it this time, something about it. I watched it with a friend. Splither of The Blood on Saints uh, Claw? Blood on okay. Claw. Um, uh, I watched it with a friend, and they were bored out of their mind <laughs> the entire time, and I had really enjoyed it the first time I watched it, but their boredom had kind of seeped over to me a little bit, but there's still, uh, I think that overall, the ideas that the movie attempts to play with are really cool. Like, I... I it's about it's about a small town uh, where one of the younger people in the town accidentally unearth a skull, and essentially it's Satan, and it releases Satan into the town, and he's attempting to come back into a physical form in the world, and he's doing so by uh, using the children of the town as a conduit and... Uh, uh, releasing like pieces of himself onto the children, and then all the other children in the town s- somehow get wind of this, but are about it. There's never, there's never a point of being like. Uh, They never explain it. It's kind of weird and alien, but it's like every kid is down, like, immediately, minus, like, a a small handful of them.
0: I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's Linda Hayden, and she is, like, magnetic and beautiful, and it's just like, all right, well, she's in, I'm in. And it kind of makes sense.
1: That's the other thing, is there's, like, a couple moments of, like, where the kids, like, go to other kids in the town, and... They're like, uh, yeah, it's real spooky, but like she's really cool and uh, she wants to make out with you. So you should like go and help us resurrect Satan. And they're like, you know what? It's not a bad idea. So, sounds good. Yeah, Let's like, do I'm that. Here, I'm here for it. And uh I didn't notice it until this time. It's really weird. It doesn't really have a main character. There's not no. like a, a singular focus, which is not a thing you see incredibly often in movies like and i think that's really cool like like a lot of times in movies you'll, it'll start out with a singular character and then switch to another character like halfway through there's not any of that it's just constantly like every scene is kind of just like watching this town slowly unfold and like people and like
0: devolve into yeah, madness yeah and
1: either like adults or or the children becoming corrupted by the evil that's around them and even the people who like put up a fight against it Never really put up a fight for that long. Like they kind of just eventually accept it. Minus the I, the I will say very hard to remember characters names in that movie. I don't
0: know a single character's exactly. name. I just exactly. know Linda Hayden and then the judge guy, the dude with the giant great sword, like who yeah. who is the I guess hero in the end who slays the beast and in all slow mo. It's
1: it's very <laughs> slow mo. It's weird too because like the the adults in the town kind of like come in and. Obviously, like he, he kills the devil and just hoists him in the air. But the, the, there hasn't really been a showing of that much pushback against it happening. So it's very weird when suddenly the town comes in and decides to do something about it because you spent so much time watching the children interact with each other and stuff. It's just a very like it's so hard to feel if it's poorly constructed or just so weird and alien that it feels that way i I think it's the latter
0: yeah like, I think it's very purposefully alienating yeah, yeah. and like it does a really of, good
1: job of it yeah
0: yeah agreed and you know there's a lot of stuff that kind of ages poorly it's not like the up to the yeah <laughs> and yeah. it's not up to the kind of modern horror movies standing so you know if you're not into that kind of thing you probably won't like it but there are a couple scenes that are like, very upsetting even today
1: incredibly like that's a a thing that i was also kind of surprised and not so much just for this movie but a lot of them because i've never just sat down and mainlined
0: so much of them
1: as much even though i love it and i i've spent so much time with it i've never just like truly soaked all of it in and so many of these movies are horrifyingly disturbing like there's so many just really dark scenes in them and i definitely feel like blood on satan's claws has some of the most it's 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 I guess with a lot of older movies, there's a lot of questionable things that now you would, you especially wouldn't see in movies today. But it was like so much of this movie was like, there's, there's no way this exact movie could be, get made nowadays. Like I just no, don't no see chance. it happening. Yeah, I just don't see it happening.
0: All right, so that's a really great start, and I'm gonna go to my first choice chronologically, and it is 1974's The Wicker Man. And immediately when you said folk horror, this is immediately kind of it's, what it's popped truly into my mind the absolute it's the gold
1: standard classic it's got every tenet of folklore like all in one movie
0: yeah so i i think when i was looking it up Witchfinder finder general seems to be kind of consensus the first folklore movie yeah and then blood on satan's claw and i feel like those are kind of the thesis statement right mm-hmm. this is kind of the dissertation this is yeah. the finished product this is like peak LeBron James Miami Heat era, whereas those are kind of like Cleveland Cavaliers, the first run, whatever. And so all of the pieces that were kind of very interesting about those movies was kind of perfected in this one. It's kind of the ultimate slow burn. A man comes to an Island where a lot of bizarre stuff is happening, but like, maybe it's not all that bad, but then it all kind of crescendos in this hectic climax that involves a burning (laughs) wicker man (laughs) fire. And that, that climax is really something. And it, it really pays off the kind of journey to get there.
1: The last shot of that movie, I think is truly one of the best shots in a movie ever. Just like you see the wicker man, fall down and it just reveals the sun behind it as like this new day is rising on this town and they like slowly zoom into the sun oh so good it's
0: it's amazing and like it it is a slow burn so like you gotta be into it but it really does pay it off with that final kind of climax and last shot as you said which is very beautiful have you ever seen the remake of this movie uh with nick cage absolutely
1: um, it's it's weird because I, I want I actually wanted to try to rewatch it for this because it's been a while, but I will say it is incredibly memorable in so many ways, especially... It's outrageous. Yeah, him in the bear suit, like, <laughs> running around, punching everybody. Like, it's so comical, but it, it's weird because it's definitely not as good of a movie as the original, but there are things about it that are just so much more memorable. Like, not the bees, not the bees and stuff. Yeah, like, such a
0: quality silly remake of a thing it's one of the most inexplicable remakes that i've ever seen yeah i'm just like why 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 did you do this why did he agree to it (laughs) why why when someone
1: was making wicker man where they were like you know what we got to have the main character be Nicolas cage it's such a weird (laughs) choice like maybe the studio came in and was like you gotta you gotta go with nick cage but
0: who knows but the original is truly a masterpiece and i think one of the best kind of representations of the genre and honestly one of my favorite horror movies from the 70s yeah. i think the original last house on the left is up there with it Classic nothing Raven. nothing else comes to mind immediately well halloween but that's yeah. like later 70s those are like the peak 70s horror movies yeah. to me and this is one of them
1: and i feel like i feel like it's not it's definitely a known horror movie, but it's not one that you run into very often. Agreed. But it's because it's so weird. Yeah, from from start to finish, like it's not like there's like a like the setup is, you get like two minutes of setup of a voiceover of being like, there's this girl in this town who went missing, and you gotta go find her, and then it just starts with him landing the plane. And his first interaction with the villagers is just weird. It's super clear the villagers don't want him there.
0: It's super clear he doesn't really want to be there. there. He does
1: not want to be there.
0: And the the scene that always sticks out to me from that point of view is when he goes to that bar or the the kind of village tavern. Playing
1: the song and he's just not having it. It's
0: it's bizarre and it it really does bring you in and again you know we mentioned alienating and it's like alienating to you because you're just like where the fuck are we yeah
1: yeah and there's there's just never a moment of like I feel like at least with some folk horror stuff certain characters kind of start to become accustomed to what's going on, mm-hmm. but there's never a point where this guy is like, okay, cool, I kind of feel comfortable in this town. You're just always like, what's going on? Clearly something's going on, yeah. but what is it
0: and why? And that that's a really key feature I feel like some of these is you often feel unmoored. Like you have no idea where you are or where this movie is going, but you're there's enough there that you're in. Yeah and like want to see what the hell are we doing? Where is this going? There's also,
1: there's also a, a like, even though each one, each one of these movies on the list sort of has its own built up lore, I feel like Wicker Man has the most fleshed out religion out of all of them. I, Midsummer also, but like, like every single facet of the town is somehow touched by the religion, involves the religion, even the people who like seem like they're not, so about
0: it are still
1: involved with it and still understand it like
0: it does a really good job of kind of I guess explaining it to the audience and and like but not like bullshit exposition and like none of that but like really naturally you you
1: see like you see the town's uh, uh, traditions and how they interact with the traditions you see how like each person's um, connection to the faith from time to time even in small ways and and it's it's always cool in a lot of the folklore movies to see how down certain actors are for things. Like yeah. like is it uh I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Is it Christopher Lee? Right? Yes, yes. as the kind of like as leader the, as the of figurehead the figurehead of it, yeah. yeah. Like he's just so down to do w- weird things. Like when they're when they're doing the huge parade and he's in the goofy dress and, and <laughs>
0: Christopher Lee of uh, Sauron fame.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he had a lot of practice of being like a weird, Super weird. Magical, <laughs> real, magical adjacent uh, uh, figurehead of, of a, a group of evil people. For like, sure. And even, that's the other thing is like with Wicker Man is, is even though the police officer sees them as evil, uh, they're not really that evil. They're like looking out for their town. They want to like make sure that their crops are good that everyone is healthy and the only reason why they're going through these things is that they truly believe that if they're sacrificing people and animals and stuff like when when he, he's uh put into the wicker man i don't know why i don't remember this but it really stood out to me on the rewatch they fill it with like like lambs and ducks and geese all sorts of things and when he is dying you also like hear them dying as well and you realize that like uh, it's it's just necessary for the town
0: like to to do all of these offerings. Yeah, I mean they they truly believe it. it. Yeah, it's weird. It's not something the, that the you're into. Like but. the weird
1: <laughs> sword thing where they like are like, who's going to get their head chopped off? As if there's truly some level of chance behind it, but someone somewhere is deciding to to be like, this is the person whose head we're going to
0: cut off. Yeah, so I I think this is a good entry point for the genre. Yes. I think. You know, blood on Satan's Claw. You gotta, you gotta be into it. That's I it's, think.
1: It very much. That's very true. Like you have to be a little dyed in the wool at that point.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's fast forward. We are going to 1988, and this is your choice, Pumpkinhead. Yes. And I just feel like you couldn't make a horror movie in the '80s unless it was a slasher, even if it was yeah. a folk horror movie. But yeah. it's like folk horror slasher.
1: It's it's. I do. I admittedly. I think it's probably one of the weakest entries on the list. Even though obviously I chose it, there's there's a lot of things about it that I really love, but after all of the build up and like getting to what Pumpkinhead is, it really kind of just like it fizzles it peters out. out a little yeah. bit, yeah. Yeah, but I love the mixing. I really love Americana things mm-hmm. and I think that Pumpkinhead is a really interesting mix of Americana and folklore where even though it isn't Set in like the eighteen hundreds or something, just the idea of the of of Lance Henriksen going to the witch and making a deal. Uh, that's another thing with like a lot of folk horror stuff is is people wanting certain things, but not either not understanding the ramifications of what's going to happen or just not caring. And he just wants revenge for his son he doesn't care what happens and by the time he realizes like what he's done to get that revenge he's
0: like oh no i messed up but it's too late and that was one of the more most interesting parts of the movie is like yes it's a slasher yes there's this weird creature who has a head of a pumpkin (laughs) yeah but it also has ideas about like the emptiness and coldness yeah. of revenge which is not something you see in any of these slashers it's, yeah, it's just like
1: it's, it's, it, go, it tries to go a little deeper than a, a normal does. slasher does and I,
0: I i like that about it the other thing that stood out to me the you know we mentioned production design the pumpkin patch graveyard of the The pumpkin head, the
1: weird, the weird, like tiny hill that's in the middle of the graveyard that he has to go on top of and like dig out the old body of pumpkin head before he himself starts to shift into pumpkin head. Yeah. And
0: then like the, the vines that are all twisted, like it is perfect. I think that that set that they made for that or whatever it is, not,
1: not only that, but also the actual witch's hut. It's yes. It's so it's, it's definitely like, as a person who works in film and does cinematography and, like, actually, like, thinks, I can't not watch a movie and see a shot and think way too much about it, mm-hmm. um, that entire scene is so orange. There's, like, <laughs> no, there's nothing but orange in it, but it, it, something about the vibe of it is just perfect. Like It makes so, sense for Pumpkinhead, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, like, even though there's, a like, a warmth to the color orange, it's such a, a desperate scene because he just wants... Anything to to alleviate the pain of it. Yeah, it doesn't it's, matter it's what so, it is. Yeah, it's it's so weird to see like a color that's so commonly used as like a warm,
0: happy color in a scene that's so dark in a way. Like yeah. for sure. And I think the other thing was the creature design, both Amazing. of the witch because she's kind of her own creature in the makeup, like super very, old and gross. Yeah,
1: very gross. Her cabin is like all the different. Uh, I, I love I love when you can almost like feel. Uh, a place and it's just so meticulously designed. There's just like herbs everywhere and potions and weird little trinkets in the background. Yeah, it's like,
0: like they took the witch guy from uh, Princess Bride and just like dialed right it up 11, to 15. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that and the pumpkin head itself like very good creature design. The only thing that kind of let down for me, like you said, it kind of peters out. When you're watching a slasher, like you're kind of there for the kills and the they're they're weak. The best. Yeah, they're weak. Yeah, um, especially
1: for having such an awesome monster that can yeah. do crazy things. I I definitely. Th- it's weird too because it's directed by Stuart Gordon. Right? Not not Stuart Gordon. Um, he's uh, is it is it Rick Baker? It's it's the really big special effects guy.
0: It's a uh, shit. Is uh, Stan Winston.
1: Stan Winston. Stan Winston. I can't believe I forgot that. He's he's <laughs> like he's like the biggest guy ever. What was but, his other?
0: What was his big one before that? The monster that he made. I forget. I'm not sure, but he's he's
1: he's somehow involved as like an assistant or the main guy on every notable horror movie for decades. He's oh, got a school. Yeah, he he, he. aliens, Jurassic yeah.
0: Park, the yeah. Terminator movies. Yeah.
1: Damn. And and you can t- it's the only movie he's ever directed to my knowledge, and you can feel that it's not really a movie made by someone who thinks like a director. You can tell that it's made by someone who just thinks about the small details, which and it's can be, very
0: good in those moments. Yeah.
1: And, and, and so you, it, it, there's just parts of it that are good and parts of it that just do not work. And I think the reason why it doesn't work as well as it could is, it's because it's not made by someone with a director's mind. And, and it's cool that he took the time to sort of make this thing and it grew into its own franchise, which not the best franchise <laughs> at all, but the, the ideas and the themes that like come into it, I think, uh, definitely, at the very least, elevate the first one enough to every time I watch it, there's always like some little new nugget of thing that's cool that I enjoy about
0: it. Agreed. And I think if you're a fan of Slashers, this is worth it just because it's kind of a different take yeah. and an interesting take on the traditional. Like, it's also really short stuff. It's like Yeah, not it's even an hour. An hour, hour and kind. 26. Yeah, it's so <laughs> it's, short. Yeah. And like most of that is an, a weird opening title sequence that's yeah. like. <laughs>
1: And like the lead into what makes everything even happen in the first place. Like the, the sun dying. Um, that's yeah. also the dog so did tense. such a bad job. He really <laughs> did. That scene is, that scene is so uncomfortably tense. Cause you can just tell something, bad's uh, something's yeah. going to happen. And even like even if you didn't know it was a horror movie, you can just feel like like the actual characters themselves. I think that at the beginning, it feels like a lot of the characters are going to be more fleshed out than they are. But then all the all the fodder is definitely it's the usual slasher trope where they're just so so one note. Like yeah. nobody learns a lesson besides kind of <laughs> Lance Henriksen, and by the time he's learned the lesson, it's too late. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, well, he's
0: got to feel it for and, for unleashing the monster and uh, fire again because don't yeah. they don't they kill him with fire right? They they shoot him or oh the pumpkin head yes, yes pumpkin head yes. itself
1: again like like there's just even if it's the smallest amount of fire somehow involved there's always <laughs> fire always it comes into it somehow <laughs> the wicker man being burned down like for
0: sure yeah all right so let's go to our next one it is 1992's Candyman the original true classic for me like this movie is one of the best horror as social commentary movies. And, you know, people love to talk about Jordan Peele now, deservedly so. He's fucking amazing. Yeah. But his movies don't exist without this original Candyman. And I just think the way that they kind of bring in gentrification and these ideas about, you know, that the outsiders in this case are kind of the poor and the, you know, overlooked people. Exactly. And the way that they bring that into slasher slash folklore is very interesting and very good. Mm-hmm. and that that's kind of what stands out to me to about this movie
1: when you when you had first brought it up, i just because it's not seen as as a as like if you look up folklore movies, uh, folklore, I could be wrong. I feel like you don't ever like no one ever singles it out as one, but especially sitting down and watching it, I was like, wow, like everything about folklore is here. But it's it's just the setting's completely different, like the uh, names, people's faces. It's all just changed, but it, it works so well. It, it also ties into urban legends and stuff. And I think yeah. in a certain way, like urban legends, because it's it's just uh, wherever you're from, it's folklore itself. And I think that it is it folk. Uh, 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 it's just
0: urban folklore. Exactly. Which is like exactly. Just like, just it's different. just
1: a thing that works. It, it, it all works so well together. And again, like fire, like the, the end, that very end of the movie, like. Candyman dies from fire, but then through the fire, uh, Helen also dies and is reborn as a new version of Candyman. Yeah, I think that it it takes a lot of the little ideas
0: of folklore and repurposes it in a way that works so well. Agreed. And I think, you know, this is kind of it is a slasher movie at the end of the day, kind of in the same vein as Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. But Tony Todd is as the Candyman is way better than Michael Myers or yeah. because he's an actual person and you feel it, not just like a masked thing.
1: And has such a I feel like a lot of times when they try to give a slasher a backstory, it, it doesn't work. Just doesn't work. But they I don't know who I mean, I guess Clive Barker on some degree, even though I know that the story and the, and the movie itself are are not the same thing. I, right. I haven't read the original story, but the, just the, how fleshed out the idea of Candyman is.
0: Yes. Works so well for it. Agreed. And Tony Todd just plays it to perfection. Yeah. I,
1: there's, there's, um, the, I also like a lot of the, you don't see a lot of the kills. No, it's a lot of, you just, are dropped into the aftermath. And there's always the question of, is it Candyman? Is it Helen? And I, I don't, for the coming back to it, I don't remember it being so much of, of it being someone who's framed as Candyman and Candyman being such a resourceful. Cause, cause even like, well, a lot of times with the supernatural people, they're just kind of so supernatural. You don't have to worry that much about that yeah. sort of thing, but he clearly, has he's not an empty villain like there's there's an, an actual like you said like there's an actual person behind it yeah so he he utilizes that in so many so many interesting ways
0: yeah and I think that one of the ways that they kind of convey it is when she goes through the mirror into kind of like his it lair cool the guy's mouth yeah, yeah. and damn like talk about like set design and like all that it's it's so creepy It's a memorable movie it is
1: like it's uh, again atmosphere like atmosphere is so important and the the buildings of cabrini green itself like it just you see it and you're like who thought of this and not only that it's i think it's really funny when you're watching a movie uh, i don't think that many people run into this but i run into it so often where you just like see a really cool set and you're like somebody spent two weeks painting that thing to look like that because all the graffiti everywhere and how they like tie it's the so graffiti specific. into the it's story. Like real. Yeah. yeah. And there's also, uh, it was, uh, there's the one scene where he's appearing to Helen and like talking to her and they pull him out the window. Yes. It's so insane. And it's, it's, wild. It's, it's wild. And it's really cool to see like, like uh, even movies now that have a lot of, um, Practical effects, there's always some level of CGI or something involved. And it's so cool to see such a weird bananas thing done practically.
0: Yes, it yeah. is. And did you, uh, did you watch the remake of this one? I did. I really enjoyed the remake. I know a lot of people didn't as much, but... I feel like... It took the social commentary piece and really started whacking you over the head with it. Yes, that's fair. At at the detriment of the movie itself. But I think
1: I think that's also, uh, funnily enough, I think that's kind of the point of the movie. And yes. there's a lot of moments where, like, when he's he's making all the paintings and he keeps going to different art dealers and stuff and he's like here's this thing that I made that is a social commentary and people are like we've seen this before like it's no longer hard hitting and it's like yeah it's no longer hard hitting but it's stuff that's still happening it's still so relevant even though, yeah so even no, that's though a, that's
0: an interesting pick yeah and-
1: and, and I, I think like a lot of – I don't know if that was purposeful. Like I imagine on some level it was. It has to but, be, I But I, I found like with a lot of reviews that was like a really big complaint about it. But it was like it, – it addresses that so well in, in a sense. And also I really love the idea of making – because Candyman is already this really big idea. Yeah. And I think it's really cool. A lot of times when they try to make a big idea bigger, it doesn't – it just doesn't work. And the way that they expanded on the lore of Candyman and how there could be multiple Candymen and it's mm-hmm. sort of a, a specific thing that creates one. I thought that was really cool.
0: I, I did think that was interesting. I, might, I I may have to rewatch it through that lens it, because it, I just I that didn't occur to me, but it's an excellent point. It,
1: it also it also further creates
0: um, like the whole cult
1: thing like it. Mm-hmm. It. it, it Further builds a following and a belief behind Candyman as this thing. So even though uh, people aren't necessarily running into Candyman, they still believe him. They're still convicted in their beliefs. Like, and I think that that's so cool.
0: No, yeah, that's that's definitely that's that's apt. I'm gonna have to revisit, yeah. but definitely watch the original Candyman if you've not seen it or rewatch it. It's. Just it's a classic for a reason um let's go to the next one. This is another one of my choices uh from two thousand nine House of the devil directed by Ty West. I don't want to say this is my favorite movie on the list, ah. but it kind it's the most enjoyable movie on the list to me because it takes everything that's excellent about eighties kind of trashy slasher movies and just like he Drops just dir- yeah and directs yeah. the shit out of it yeah um. And so I think with the folk elements of this, you're dealing with satanic panic and, you know, she's essentially house sitting for a cult leader uh, that she then gets dragged into. And so there's elements of that
1: like, like yeah, there is a sense of it. But at the end of the day, he's he's (laughs) uh, so apologetic at every step of the way, just like slowly coaxing her in Mm -hmm. without her even realizing. And he's so good at being just like. This very, like, small, diminutive, seemingly kind man where that just isn't the case.
0: No, it's not. And it, it, again, it's like the slow burn, like, you don't really know what's happening, and then it kind of crescendos in this very weird, violent climax. Yeah, Um,
1: and and there's always, there's, there's, uh, I mean, like, if you somehow manage to not see the name of the movie before going into it, like... (laughs) Sure. But if you like if you just sit down and watch it with like out knowing what's going on, before Greta Gerwig dies, even though there is like a sense of unease, you're like there's nothing like that bad going on. Like maybe it's this just this could just be a college comedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then AJ Bowen just blows her face off and it's so sudden and they don't give it any time to breathe. Like no. the, the, the lead up to it is so long. There's just like this really awkward interaction between the two of them. And then bam. And they just cut straight back to the house.
0: Yeah. And then it's, it's kind of off from there. Yeah. There's, um, there,
1: there isn't a single second of like things being calm after that. Like uh, when she's the, she's like hearing noises coming from upstairs and she's like walking around the house and she's about to open the door. That's got the, all the people dead in the room. But the second before it happens, he calls cause he's the pizza guy. Yeah. Like, and that was, I, I forgot about that beforehand where like he push it. He's like, I left money for pizza and I left the number for the pizza where it's just, it's the most innocuous thing that you wouldn't think would be a weird thing, but he does such a good job at just making a pizza guy be a, a, a weird and uncomfortable situation.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, that's the thing about this movie is, it's so much fun because it's got the 80s slasher vibes, but it's also so well-crafted and very unsettling and creepy at the same time. So it's got all, everything you want, at least for me, from a horror movie.
1: There's also uh, the, the level of supernatural stuff that kind of comes to the forefront at the very end that just catches you by surprise. Yeah. It's weird because usually a lot of times when there is a supernatural element to a thing, You at least know that there's like I get you that you see like the ritual stuff and whatnot But then they like talk about the eclipse passing by and it's so clear that even though it was this really small Thing that happened in this tiny little house. It could have been this massive
0: World-changing event, but you'll never truly know because it it never
1: gets to the point of happening
0: It could be like, you know, the invitation Yeah, where then you see it's not just happening in this one house all these like red lights and it could be like that right and you know, it's just so much fun, so well made. And the one scene that always sticks out to me, there's a, essentially a three-minute dance interlude in the middle of this movie. With a really good song. Really great yeah. song. It's... um. One thing leads to another by the fix. Yeah. And, you know, she puts on the Walkman. It's got the old school Dance Walkman headphones. The house. Yeah. And it's just like a, but it's so well shot and so much fun. That's like kind of the vibe of the movie. And that's what I love about it.
1: I didn't have, because uh, I, admittedly, I only watched it this morning, uh, right before I left to come here. But I, I don't know if they changed what type of film they were using as the movie goes on, but as things go on the movie just gets grittier and grittier and darker and more stylized and i've seen this movie a lot in the past but it's been a while and that's like i completely forgot about the level of stylisticness that went into it especially because i i can't imagine it's a well-budgeted movie like it has to be a really it's sub one hundred thousand. but they used every inch of their budget in to the absolute best of their
0: ability agreed i think it's you know it's it's Amazing. I love Ty West. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, and he actually has a new movie coming out called X I yeah. um, haven't soon, seen it, like but it next week. I think I think it's coming to shutter next week yeah. I think I don't know
1: um, I work. I also work in a movie theater on the side from time to time and we're getting it there next week So it's oh, at least awesome. in theaters
0: next week. All right uh, spectrum. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm coming to see it then it. Um, All right, so let's go to the next one. This is 2011 It got a U.S. release in 2012, but it's a 2011 movie. It is called Kill List. This was on both of our lists. I didn't want to have too much overlap, but I couldn't leave it off mine because because it's that fucking good. Um, So go ahead. What's so great about it?
1: It's another one of those movies that is just – it's got everything. The the plot of the movie is basically uh, a quote-unquote retired hitman and his wife who is also – they never truly explain how she was involved in crime, but she's also very clearly like that's how they
0: know each other. She's kind of like the manager of the hitman. It yeah, seems. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and uh, so his old friend, who's also in the biz,
0: Michael Smiley.
1: Yeah, Michael Smiley. Michael Smiley. Every time dude, he's in a movie, uh, comes along and is like, "I like I realize that you're you're hurting for money. Like, let's do this. Let's do one last job. It's gonna. It's all. It's five people. It's gonna be super easy." and the second that he starts uh interacting with the people that he has to work for you can uh, with all uh, folklore things you can tell something's weird
0: A miss yeah. yes
1: and uh uh eventually he ends up uh the the very last person that he's he's uh tapped to kill ends up being his wife and child without him realizing it but yeah it's it's such a it, it, like a, a lot of uh, and this even other movies that we'll we'll talk about soon and i guess this is kind of a, a tenet of folklore stuff pretty often is they're so brutal yes. like and, and i think kill list is probably if not the most brutal on the list definitely tied for
0: the most brutal on the list i mean it's and it's the reveal yeah of it because he doesn't know you hand don't know falling out oh of my the
1: God. out of the cloth
0: like yeah. And it's a, it's a crazy movie because it's one of again, like that feeling of being on you don't know where the hell this movie is going. Like it's a hitman movie. You,
1: you also, like, <laughs> I feel like it's a movie uh, uh, on this list more so than others where at the beginning, uh, with a lot of them, like, like with, with Wicker Man where he's a cop. So on some level he has morality. So you connect with him for most of the movie. After the first like half hour of kill list, you're like, I don't even connect with this guy, much less every other weird thing around him. So there's just never any single moment of feeling comfortable in the movie. No. There's never a moment of connection. You're always on the edge of your seat. When he finally like starts doing the hits, he's just it's he it's so clear that he's had years of built up anger and nothing to do with it. Yep. And he is so ready to let all of it out in any way possible. Uh-huh.
0: No, and, like, you just don't have any idea where it's going, but there's enough stuff that's just like, I gotta see where, what's happening. Yeah. And then the, all of a sudden there's a cult, and there's people marching, and fire's burning, yeah. and it's just like, what the, the hell is going the, on? The
1: guy who he kills with the hammer, like, before he kills him, the whole time before he kills him, he's like, I'm so happy to have met you like, like this is such an important thing. And it means so much to me. And you're like, why is this why? guy what is so happening? happy to get murdered by this guy? <laughs> and, and eventually it turns out that the whole, the whole organization is, is part of a cult. And I don't even think they really explain like with a lot of, a lot of them, they explain no, what the like, purpose of the rituals. There's no explanation.
0: It's just like a kind of, I think it's got elements of kind of like the Illuminati, like yeah. the shady, powers that be are actually all connected in this like cult. And that's, I think what it was doing and it's just, it's just wild. And like one of the most satisfying movies I've ever seen in the last like 10 years, just because you don't get movies a lot where, you don't have any idea where it's going and then it actually pays off and it all yeah. makes sense yeah. at the end. And, and also, uh, with a lot of the other
1: movies, uh, with some of them where it's like, like Blood and Satan's Claws, like the kids are kind of in it from the beginning the second they find out about it, where mm-hmm. with with this one, I wish I could remember the main character's name, he is very clearly weirded out and against everything that's happening so far. But then at the very last moment, once he's killed his wife and son and they put the crown on him the very last shot is you can see in his face he's almost just accepting and happy of what's now happening like it was his wife and child dying was a release and now he's gonna be part of this like bigger picture
0: yeah and honestly like they have a very unhappy marriage that is very clear. And so... But neither of them wants to do anything about it. Right. And so this is actually, like, cathartic release for both of them in a way. And, like, it's fucked up. But, like, that's kind of the thesis of the movie. it's, it's,
1: It's weird that, like, once... Even though she's definitely not happy with what he's doing when he starts returning after these things, she's suddenly a much more loving yeah. and caring partner. And so once they've, they've turned back to this really dark life, you can just tell that they
0: feel at home in, in it's two very like violent, toxic people trying to kind of put on the suburban lifestyle, they but they just aren't suited violent. for it. Yeah, like, yeah. and so they need to be in that world to kind of function, and it's it's really bizarre and weird, but like uh, honestly, one of the best movies I've and seen they, in they the, the last to ten like years. They kind of like hide it
1: from the kid yeah. and like explain it in different ways, and it just never truly
0: lands for the kid. No, um, it's it's something. Um, if you've never seen Kill us get on it. That highest recommendation possible. Ben Wheatley,
1: um, in general, if you oh, if yeah. you if you want to dive deep into folklore as a whole, Ben Wheatley is a a top tier person to go with because half of his filmography is in some way adjacent or actually folk horror.
0: Yes, for sure. He also has the ability to kind of alter genres. Make like the
1: darkest stuff hilarious.
0: Yes, and while also like still making it all his own. Like he's yeah. made some straight up like comedies kind of, but they're still, but they're so dark
1: and yes. dealing with things that aren't, you would never be like, Oh, this is funny. This is funny. It's yeah. not,
0: but it, he makes but it, it so. but it is
1: funny in, <laughs> the, in this instance.
0: Yeah. He makes it. So, um, yeah, definitely a great filmography to kind of explore. Uh, let's go to the next one and it is 2016's the witch. Robert Eggers, you got the lighthouse shirt I on. I do. I
1: had to wear the lighthouse. I had to wear the lighthouse hoodie.
0: You... <laughs> Is the lighthouse folk horror? No. It's <laughs> it's, su- it's super weird. It's like, definitely horror, but...
1: it's definitely like isolationist mm-hmm. horror. It's it's a weird movie where it's like hard to necessarily even categorize Classified, it as horror. Yeah,
0: but it's definitely. There's horror in it. It's more psychological horror than anything. Yeah. Everything is internal. In yeah.
1: That. Yeah. It's just so shut off from the world outside of it. So in a sense, like y- y- you can pull elements that exist in full core into it. And I think that just the more we see of Robert Eggers' work, that's definitely a through line, uh, just like this weird isolation. For sure. Because because the witch itself is is a family that's ostracized. Uh-huh because they it's never truly laid out why like like exactly what they did to be banished from the town apart from sort of practicing a more radicalized version of the religion that they're part of yes and the 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 church is just like we don't want you here like you um, gotta un- go. unless you can change what you're doing get out we don't want you So uh, it's just basically this family falling apart where even though there are – the catalyst of it is this witch in the woods that steals one of the children. Mm -hmm. But even though there's all of this stuff going on, the family is so terrible to each other and just doesn't get along that it's really like is the biggest – issue here the fact that there's an evil witch in the woods like one of the
0: worst movie dads of all time for real
1: terrible (laughs) like no one wants to move an inch for another person like everyone is so focused on themselves and then when there is a moment where like it's like you have a chance to do the right thing, or do something that's going to be smart. They're just like, nah, I'm <laughs> not going to do it. I'm good. Yeah, I'm just going to make the worst possible decision. And it's it's everyone in the family. It's the children, like all four children. Like people are always stoking the flames with each other. Like and yeah, I, it's just it, it's such a. It, that's an, it's another one of those movies where it's just every single element of it is suffocating. Yes. The track, the, the 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 soundtrack is so sparse. And, and arid, the cinematography is surprisingly, you watch it and you're like, this is a beautiful looking movie that clearly a lot of work was put into, but it's so simple. Like half the scenes are lit by like two or three lights, but it, it just sings.
0: Yeah, no, for real. I mean, I think Robert Eggers, he might not be for everyone because his movies are pretty slow and Yeah. but like. From the craft of filmmaking, he is a master of like tone, of creepiness, of little moments that are just like perfectly staged and constructed. And then I I feel like they all pay off in the end. Like the final scene with the witch is just and she's hovering. Floating
1: into the sky.
0: It it makes it all worth it. Like the whole journey to get there, to me, it pays off in that moment. And similar it, to the lighthouse, I feel like it's,
1: it's another one of those, uh, like again, with a lot of folklore stuff where Thomason is so like, every time someone questions, if she's a witch, she's like, no, like I'm not a witch. I'm not a witch, but she never fights so hard against it that you're like, she's convinced of it. So once the option is finally put in front of her, she's like, you know what? I'm a witch. Yep, let's do this. Let's do like, it. There's no reason not to. And, and also, for a movie with child actors, especially child actors that are featured so prominently, like the two the two kids, they could have ruined the entire movie. I, the Witch like really launched Ralph Inneson and Anya Taylor's Joy's careers. Like I, I feel, uh, I'm sure maybe something would have come along later that if it hadn't happened, it would have put them on the map. But that movie alone really set their careers up for both of them. Like yeah. Ralph Inneson, not so much for other. Things, but like he is an A twenty four staple of period pieces now. Like every
0: single, every single one of them. Yeah. No, but Anya Taylor Joy is like one of the biggest actresses working right now. She's in the X Men franchise and the New Mutants. She's worked with Edgar Wright, Queen's Gambit, Edgar Wright. Like she's everywhere. She's 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 really good
1: at doing small movies and big movies. Like I feel like a lot of times you like find people who kind of stick to one thing. Like once Mm. they start doing big, big big. Big budget movies, they don't really come back to it again. Back to the smaller stuff, but she'll just constantly pop between the two of them.
0: Yeah, she's she has the charisma to kind of carry a huge movie while also being a great actress who can act in like real movies. Yeah, and so she's she's flexible and excellent and yeah. The Northmen. I'm so excited. Eggers' this new movie. I just I'm realized, so jazzed. I
1: just realized Northman comes out next month.
0: Yeah, and April I was like, 22nd. I believe? Yeah, I
1: was like, I need to have that day off. There's no way I'm not going to see like the very first possible showing of that that I can see.
0: I think we should go and then pot about it after. Yeah. Let's do it. I mean, it's. I'm so jazzed about this movie because it looks. It's going to be a Robert Eggers movie but it looks like it's not going to be the slow plotting. No, it, it looks, looks like, like it's going to be
1: huge and bombastic.
0: And, yeah, and I'm so jazzed um, about that. The cast is insane. It's so like, good. One of the best cast. Yeah, yeah Scarsgard is amazing. I can't wait.
1: York? Like, like
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so Perfect, freaking yeah. pumped about this movie. All right, so we're down to the last two. Let's first talk about 2018's Apostle. This one I wrote down as Gorefest wicker man. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so, how you said a House of the Devil is probably the top of the list for you. Apostle is so far and above the absolute top of my list for this. It okay. is such. Uh, I've seen it a handful of times now, and and every time I come back to it, I'm more and more surprised by how well made it is the camera work is insane start to finish like i don't know who they tapped to be the camera operators and stuff on this movie but there wasn't a single idea or technique that they didn't try to throw in and do amazingly like the scene when uh uh, he's in front of the cross and they've got him like tied up how they do the super slow pushing and the camera like flips when upside he gets down. Branded. Yeah. When he's getting branded. Okay, yeah. Like when every time he's, uh, cause he's, he's an, basically this, this guy gets contacted, uh, his sister is being held for a ransom and he has to go to this weird small town and basically pay up once he gets there. But he tries to go in and be super low key about it and infiltrate the town. And even though he tries to like infiltrate the town, it's such a small town that a new person in there, no one in the town really believes that he is anything but the person trying to come in and get the. And, and he's doing, he does everything he can to keep himself hidden and he does an amazing job at it like every time he's faced with a situation where he could be caught he is like how obviously he doesn't say this out loud but you can see in dan steven's face he's like what's the exact thing that i can do to curry favor for myself here like when he's about when they're they're going down the lineup once they know that someone's in the town causing trouble and the one, uh, the dude right before Dan Steven, Stevens pulls out the knife and is about to attack him. And Dan Stevens sees that this is happening and stops the guy from killing the main guy of the town. And they're just like, oh, maybe this guy isn't really who we thought he is. Maybe there's there's a chance that he is actually like truly part of this town and fits in perfectly.
0: Yeah. If you want to curry favor with a cult, find the Jim Jones. Exactly. And yeah. <laughs> make and friends. be friends with him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Besides Midsummer. It's the longest movie on the list. It's yes, two hours and ten minutes. A lot of folklore movies are like an hour and a half. They just get in and they get out. Where where this one spends a lot of time showing you the town, him attempting to go through the town. There, there is. A, there's multiple scenes where he goes through the town and is like looking in people's windows. And there was definitely a moment rewatching at this time where I was like, does nobody have curtains? (laughs) Like you're doing a lot of weird cult stuff and nobody has curtains. But I guess at the same time, like everyone in the town is part of what's going on. Even like, like later on when he, he runs into sort of like the will, they won't, they, they, uh, love interest in the movie.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, He's coming out of the cave after like realizing uh, wh- one of the most tense sequences of the movie where he he's attempting to hide from a bunch of people. So he goes in this like little like blood aqueduct and and what turn- yeah. man, that once, scene. once it once it turns out that like there's like this weird creature that's basically literally the island uh, and it chases him down and he comes out of it. He he comes out of the cave and runs into her and she's just like, oh, yeah, that thing. Like, don't worry about it. It's OK. And he's definitely cool with it on some level. He's more geared towards like saving his sister and being like, whatever is going on with this town, like I'm just here to save that's my sister. happening over here. My mission yeah, is my mission this. is here. But no matter how hard he tries, that aspect of the town constantly is like pulling him back into it. And yeah, it's just it's brutal. It's amazingly made. Every there isn't a single actor in Apostle that isn't so one hundred percent down to do anything. The the that's
0: my favorite thing about Dan Stevens, honestly. Like he's in Downton Abbey and stuff, but then he's also in weird movies like this and The Guest. And yeah, he's just such a flexible actor. I love that. And
1: and. It's like, it's another one of those movies where it was like, uh, I guess, I guess after the two raid movies, the director, they were just like, you've got a blank check, make whatever you want to make. But like, it's not, I feel like it's not a movie that Netflix would make. Cause I feel like when Netflix makes a movie, it's going to be something safe or they just buy something that nobody cares about. So they can just make like a quick little bit of money, but it's in this really weird middle space where even though it isn't something people care about they clearly put money into it oh yeah and and it's just it's a it's a a modern marvel
0: of weird small niche nobody cares about this movie it actually feels exactly like a netflix movie because it has so many things happening in it that it can like it fits into all the algorithms and like if you like this if you like that it, it can fit a lot of different things and I I did like this movie a lot, but I could feel all of the things that they were trying the and it didn't things. it didn't like it didn't all make sense to me. But there's there's so much to love about it that I was like, all right, this is enjoyable.
1: There is there are so many like weird side plots and stuff yeah. that the movie never truly gels as well as it could. Mm-hmm. But I definitely am a, a big proponent of If there are things that you like about a movie, even if it's not a great movie, like, you can still just unabashedly love it. Yeah, It's crazy how much is going on in the movie at any one moment. Like, they had to have uh, built the town. Like, where did they find a weird ramshackle town. Like there's no way that like the money wasn't put into like actually build it. No, they built and that so, whole thing. And the, the, the church that they like when they first, like when you're introduced to, to, uh, Michael Sheen's, Sheen, yeah, Michael, yeah, Sheen's Michael Sheen's character or Michael Sheen's character. Michael Sheen. It's the weirdest church like the back wa- what is the back wall of the church made out of like weird rock slime and stuff I have no like, idea yeah.
0: it feels like it was carved into a hillside and like that's just the exposed rock
1: Yeah and and I I do think that maybe the movie would be slightly stronger if there there's the a bit right towards the end where they like show a flashback of the, the guy who turns on Michael Sheen and Michael Sheen, like, finding the, the creature that is the island and, like, bef- befriending it, I guess. And it doesn't build enough on, like, how they figured out what
0: they had to do. But the way the Wicker Man, you understand everything that this cult is doing. Yeah, you never really understand. There's just tidbits. They never, yeah, they, like, never,
1: like, they never. All right, truly there's blood ex-
0: outside the door. Like, what are they doing with this? They never
1: truly explain the dude with the mask <laughs> and if he can see or not because he can't. Like any any time that there's like a suspenseful moment where someone is trying to hide from him, he has no spatial awareness of what's going on but then when he's in the room he like immediately knows where like the hammer is and he can run straight to it and a lot of that is questionable but if you can it's one of those movies where if you can really like sit down and suspend some level of belief it's really rewarding you you can feel that he just had a lot of ideas that he wanted to yep, throw sure into did. a thing <laughs> he just wanted to throw into a thing and he just did it and and I have a lot of respect for that so
0: like, do i i mean you can tell That the guy that made the raid, when you like know that the guy that made the raid movies made this, you can tell because it's just so perfectly shot and like the action and violence. The first, the first time I saw the movie years ago, I thought that
1: the action scenes didn't gel super well, and I don't know if now I've just seen it so many times that it feels at home in it. But it definitely, I remember the first time watching it being like, it's really weird whenever there is a moment of like. Characters actually having a fight, it's shot like almost like a martial arts movie, even though there's no martial arts involved in it. And a very silly uh, side note about this movie that when I was watching it, I laughed. I, I audibly laughed out loud, which isn't a, a, a thing that happens very often, especially if you're just like hanging out, watching a movie by yourself at the very beginning of the movie, when he is on the boat over to the small Island, mm-hmm. there's, uh, they clearly have like a section where there's a bunch of goats and stuff. And one of the goats like pops over into the I back thought it was section. A calf. It's something, it's some, something. some yeah. a farm animal. Some, some farm animal <laughs> and it pops out and like lands in front of him. And it's clearly like not, going to fall off of the boat or anything but he he immediately sees that uh it could pot- potentially be in danger so he picks it up and kind of holds onto it to make sure nothing happens to it and then the guy across from him rips it from his hands and throws and it off literally the boat. <laughs> just throws it off the boat but immediately afterwards he goes oh we don't interfere with like the possibilities of things that could happen. And it's like, if that were true, you would have just taken the goat out of his hands and set it back down. But you literally <laughs> full on threw it off of the boat. So I don't really know how convicted you are to that principle, but I, I, ought to, I ought to, like immediately the second he said that line, I laughed out loud.
0: That's that's fair. It's yeah. I mean, I, I just love the violence and the, Way that this movie is constructed, and you know, we talked about final shots with the Wicker like Man becoming like him part becoming of the island, the island yeah. and his eyes glazing over like the. Crazy witch lady. There's,
1: there's so there's been a handful of instances, and coincidentally, the lighthouse is also one of them. But just because I work in film, invariably I'm going to come up with my own movie ideas and stuff. Yeah. And when I was sitting and watching, and I was like, "Damn, I absolutely (laughs) love this movie." But I feel like half of the reason why I love this movie so much is I wanted to make this exact (laughs) movie. And so, yeah. All
0: right, Apostle. It's good one. It's on Netflix. Very easy to watch. You can watch it very right now if you want. Very easy to watch. So the last one on our list is the most recent. It is 2019's mid Midsummer or Midsommar. I always said Midsummer. I think it's Midsommar. Okay,
1: I definitely said Midsummer before, <laughs> but you're saying it quick, and you sometimes just goof up on it. Uh,
0: but Midsommar, directed by Ari Aster, this is another one along with Kill List that's like my favorite, one of my favorites from the last ten years, and it is a movie where, again, it's so creepy and so like unnerving, but you don't really know what's happening or where it's going. Especially
1: cause a lot of it is so much of it again, where like, even when they're doing the, the Harga ceremony with mm-hmm. the, the giant hammer, like even though they're killing older people in the community, everyone is just so comfortable with it. And they realize that it's a necessary part of, of what makes them them.
0: Right. That's, that's the moment where, you know some sinister shit's going down yeah, yeah. is that there's ritualistic no the yeah. ritualistic suicide scene with the older people and honestly it makes sense but it's still super unnerving yeah, and dark really especially weird. for like an uh, outsider and you feel all of that and then it's unrelenting for the rest of the movie
1: it really, it really is
0: and then there's like this group sex scene and then the finally the burning and the bear suit like what the fuck? And it's just so crazy for like the last hour of this movie.
1: And it's another one of those movies where like, I I feel like when you like sit down and you like read about folklore, people don't, uh, it's like one of the few things that people don't uh, talk about or, or single out as like a main theme in it, but fire like where they just light the building on fire with him in the bear suit at the very end of it. Uh Like it's such a, it's such a palpable rough
0: scene to watch. Yeah. It's, horrifying and he's in a bear suit and she's
1: it's it's another one of like uh, again with like the end of kill list where she's she's, into it she's into it yeah like like she's the queen of the cult now and she's fucking down like oh no but then she's like but you know maybe not no like I am kind of into this
0: like yeah because she got rid of the fucking worst boyfriend of all time
1: yeah yeah, and was replaced was uh, the boyfriend was replaced by literally an entire cult, an that entire cult like, that's You're worships really cool. her we want to worship you yeah
0: <laughs> no i mean i i have said this a million times i want to do this podcast someday this is the peak worst date movie of all time don't watch yes. this movie with someone you care about romantically
1: also i saw so so <laughs> even piggybacking off of that my dad also really enjoys movies okay but there's a lot of movies that i've shown my dad where my dad was just like I don't think I need to see that movie. And the day that Midsommar came out, I was like, Hey, do you want to go see like this weird sort of like culty horror movie or something? And he's not that much about horror movies, but he'll watch them because I I like to watch them. And he's like, I'll just go see a movie with my son. It'll be cool. It'll probably be good. Great supportive dad. (laughs) The second the movie was over, he just turned to me and he was just like, why did you take me to this movie? Like, this is not a movie I need to watch with a child, much less my own child. Like,
0: uh." yeah, I mean, it is brutal, but one yeah, of the best. Brutal.
1: Like, like, every, like so many of the other ones, there's just like, and I think like with a lot of folklore, not only are they brutal, but it's the way, like the context that a lot of the brutality is displayed to you is so nonchalant that yeah. it makes, it's another thing where it's just like, it's another uh, element that's alienating because it's, it's.
0: Because you're the outsider bringing brought into this world and for them it's normal. Yeah but to you it's just like what, what the, the fuck hell
1: is going on right now
0: <laughs> and in this like the way that they frame it and the way that they keep it around is because you have a bunch of anthropology majors who are like no this is interesting yeah, yeah. and it is
1: and they're like they're even more <laughs> willing than in than in other folklore things from the, the start like like yeah. they're they're there to actually study and learn something from it whereas a lot of the other people are kind of just like brought into this strange situation and aren't So willing to, and that's the Florence Pugh
0: character. She's just kind of along for the ride. She's just
1: there doing drugs, (laughs) hanging out, like having a fun time with having a trip, and then
0: it just goes poorly. Um, Well, or it goes really well, depending on your outlook. Yeah, I
1: guess in a sense that's true. (laughs) And it's like the the it's uh, I don't know how much you look into like the making of movies and stuff, but supposedly that movie was grueling to make because of it. they shot it all like it's 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 uh, another thing with with full core, not always but but there is definitely more of of it than not is so much of it takes place in the daytime even yes. though it's it, even though they're supposed to be like spooky scary movies pretty much all of midsummer is during the day uh-huh. a lot of wicker man during the day a lot of apostle during the day like it's 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 weird how well you can translate a thing that should be so safe into something that isn't
0: yes, now it kind of uses that and weaponizes it like now this shit happens in broad daylight yeah. but <laughs> but
1: because they shot it in daylight, apparently like a lot of the days were like ninety degree days, and the d p was like how do i how do I light a crowd of like fifty people with just sunlight and make it not look bad." <laughs> But he did it. He did a great job yeah, at it. It yeah. looks amazing. Yeah. It's,
0: it's just a remarkable movie, honestly. One of my favorites. Um, so we're at the end. Should we rank it out of all these films that we discussed? What are like the three best to you?
1: For me, I guess it would have to be Apostle is the top for me, even though it's not necessary. It, it, it is very indicative of what the genre Has Mm -hmm. but it's definitely a messier movie. Like, it's not the best from a filmmaking standpoint, but as, like, a personal favorite, it's got to be number one. Number two, even though it wasn't the one that I chose, uh, Wicker Man, it's just, it's so... You you can't truly... Even though there are the movies that came before it, I feel like the ones that came before it aren't as well-known, whereas Wicker Man is so well-known. It features everything that you want for, if you know what folklore is and you're looking for a specific thing, it's got the whole package. Uh, It's impeccably acted. It's got a really good set. Like if you like seventies movies also like, like it's, it's got a little something for every weird niche film person. Yes. And then number three would have to be the witch just because it's, it's a person who like Robert Eggers put so much, Research into doing it, like he researched old texts, old languages, the language. Images. Yeah, the like, language. Yeah. He was he had an integral part of the production design. Where like some of the other movies, they probably just hired a production designer and they kind of knew what they were looking for, but handed it off. Whereas like Robert Eggers had an actual history in doing costumes and production design, so he had a huge hand in it. It's just it's it's so it's it's another one of those ones where it's it's the whole package unquestionably.
0: It's impeccably made. Yeah, I mean. It's tough to rank these. There's so many amazing ones. I mean, from a craft standpoint, The Witch is probably the best one, but it's not my favorite. I think my three favorites are Midsommar at the top, even though I don't want to watch it
1: (laughs) ever again. Well,
0: I'll watch it again, but like it takes a while. House of the Devil probably second from a pure watchability standpoint, and Kill List is—it's amazing, but again, a movie that I don't really want to watch again just because yeah. it's so dark and yeah. brutal.
1: You, you you feel a lot of uh, just because I I spent so much time obviously like binging all of these at once. It's weird how gross you feel after yes. some of them. And it's I, it's I don't a dark. Remember, space. I don't remember that being such a thing like like when I watch them like one at a time because I'd have like a month or two between seeing them where now it was like in the span of a week I was just like watching one after another and I was like this is one of my favorite genres but I need a break god damn <laughs> yeah, I need to like I need to breathe I a need to watch bit. super bad right yeah, now exactly. just laugh a, a nice comedy <laughs> all
0: right so the reason we did this episode is you have some stuff in the works do you want to talk to us about so, it a little so, bit
1: so it's it's Sort of twofold in a sense, where I uh, I've been working on a script for some time. It's called Pyre. Um, it involves uh, uh, obviously all the tenets of folk horror. It, it's one of the the genres where, for some, I, I'd like. There's no reason for me to feel comfortable around it or enjoy it per se. Like I didn't grow up with a religious background or anything, but something about it has always just spoke to me, and and. I feel like there's not any monsters truly centered around the idea of guilt apart from... It, Candyman in a way is, but it's not so much like... like I don't know. Uh, the, the, the idea of it is basically there's a, a, a small group of people in this town who discover that there's a creature that they can summon and it will only kill people who are guilty. So they essentially create this small...
0: Like the perfect justice
1: system. Yes, they create this perfect justice system where if they think someone is guilty, they bring it to the creature, and if the creature kills them, they're like, "Well, cool, this is it." But uh, eventually, there you have to like sit down and think about the fact of like what is guilt. Yes, to this monster. Like even though you can like sit down. And and bring a monster to it, being like, okay, this person was guilty. Cool. And eventually, like, there's gonna be people who are gonna attempt to abuse this sort of power.
0: As with anything that's perfect on the surface, it's not really. in yeah, There's cracks. Yeah. And right. so
1: and so, I really liked. And so the the idea of it was the mon- the monster comes out of fire. I liked the I really liked the idea of birth and creation through fire, where a lot of times like things are destroyed through things being birthed through fire where in this instance I thought it was cool that from something being birthed through fire other things were destroyed instead which kind of like it's a really small flip of what the idea of certain folk horror things are Mm -hmm. but it's still it's it's a new fresh take on it and stuff and so I've been working on a script it would be a short film version of it Uh, eventually I would love to craft it into a feature and the feature would not only be like folk horror centric but but on some degree, like a sort of political thriller and interesting, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to set it in modern times, but I don't necessarily want to set it in like the 1800s. So I, I have been like trying to sit down and figure out the best time period that this sort of thing would would work out. Um, I feel
0: like the 70s, just because the political of idea. thriller yeah. Yeah, I, so, of the so era. Much,
1: there's so much political stuff going on. There's, uh, uh, I'm actually under this. I'm wearing uh, uh, Spencer Sherry's uh, The Monkey shirt, which I will uh, likely be working on in some, some level of, of crew capacity. But he is putting on... Oh, man, I wish I knew the exact date of it. It's in April. He's putting on a fundraiser where you can submit script ideas and I have, stuff. I in have three. To, yeah. And so I'm gonna be putting two into it. There's gonna be uh, th- this one is called Pyre, and my other one is gonna be called Ocker, which is uh, a color of brown. Uh, it's like a more okay. a more unknown color of brown. But I had this idea. It, it stemmed out of Alex Garland things, even though it's not very related. to Alex Garland, like Dev's Annihilation, Annihilation, Ex Machina. It's an amazing movie. movie. Yes, yeah, so I'll get like that's 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 another top ten movie for me. Yeah. But uh, the this like basically there's just a man painting. A painting but the painting comes to life and he has to have this sort of philosophical debate of the painting or like the painting is like you've brought me to life Uh, like why did you do it what are you gonna do where the man is like well I didn't do it on purpose so I, I like the thing with like, like with a lot of folklore stuff that I, I really enjoy is the idea of one person being faced with an idea or a th- like like theology so large, mm-hmm. so much larger than them that they just truly can't grasp it. But they have to do something about it. Right. And so a, a lot of the stuff that I like sit down and want to make myself somehow involve that sort of thing but but outside of that like i've i've uh i've dp i've been dping left and right i've 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 shot so much stuff i shot six short films in 2021 a handful of music videos and i currently we're not done but we're like three days out from being done Uh, i'm shooting my second feature for dirty Sweater pictures Earworm. earworm it's a it's like a horror thriller um uh, I've, got, I've posted some stills about it. There's there's a, a handful of, of news outlets, uh, the Daily Gazette, News Ten, that have so graciously like actually put out articles about it. Um, you can check out my stills on my Instagram, uh, Tomb Pictures. Uh, and outside of even my film stuff, I do uh, a lot of printmaking. I really love, uh, the, and that's uh, again with like printmaking stuff where it's like I really love antiquated mediums and stories being brought into the modern age. And so I like to do a lot of folklore and folk horror inspired art through that.
0: Nice. And where can they check out that stuff? The printmaking.
1: Also also on Instagram under folklore prints. Um, It's uh, yeah, I I have multiple Instagram accounts for all of my different, All my different artistic outlets and stuff, but it's it's uh, it wasn't really like uh, I think I really only became interested in this stuff a couple of years ago, but it was one of those things where like you just like run across this really weird small thing and something about it just feels like home, right. and and it feels so natural to like uh, uh, consume media related to it, to create media related to it. Um, so if you're a person who has a, a folk, folk horror project and you want some help making it uh, in any capacity, I am
0: absolutely your guy awesome all right uh so that does it for us we are going to get out of here you can follow our stuff on instagram at back porch media on twitter at Porchback media and on spotify and apple podcasts and wherever you get that stuff i
1: follow them on
0: all my (laughs) thank you appreciate it (laughs) and you can rate and you can review and you can do all that stuff um if you feel like it and yeah that's about it for us see y'all